Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a wizarding world virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is series three, episode seven, Rob's Grudge. Today, we are covering chapters 13 and 14 of book three, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. They are Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw and Snape's Grudge. Before Rob joins us, let me bring in my co-hosts to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hello. And Phil. Arabella Fig. I've got some really important housekeeping. I went to the zoo today. The zoo? Bristol Zoo. Of course it was Bristol Zoo. I thought you were trapped in Wales and you weren't allowed to leave. No, we've been allowed to leave since the 12th of April. We've been allowed to leave since you've been allowed in. Are we allowed in? You are allowed in now. What did you see at the zoo? Oh, what didn't we see? What was great was like, we went, spent all day at the zoo, like me, Sky, my sister and Arthur, my nephew, um, got to the end of the day. Jess was putting Sky into the car seat and she said, Sky, oh, what was your favourite animal? And Sky was like, the tiger. I was like, Sky, they don't have tigers. <laughs> so... <laughs> what do you think she meant? Uh, I, just, I just think, when I said to her, oh, we're, like, we'll go to the zoo, because we haven't been for like a year, obviously. She was like, oh, to see the dinosaurs. I said, oh no, um, there aren't dinosaurs at the zoo. And then I said, actually, they've got shrunken dinosaurs in the reptile house. Oh, good. Yeah, reptile house was closed because it's indoor, so you can't go in the reptile house. So as we're leaving, she says to Arthur, oh, we'll see the dinosaurs now. I was like, oh, no, we're not going to see dinosaurs today. All her and Arthur were going on about was the dinosaurs and we didn't see any dinosaurs. I had a great time. We saw lions, uh, flamingos, m- loads of monkeys, ducks. Big, big hit, the ducks, aren't they? Yeah. You don't really need to go to Bristol to see a duck. No, we have got some in in Cardiff, actually. When I took my kids to London Zoo, they were, like, walking around, like, oh, look at the tiger. Oh, look, there's a bird. And it was just, like... Uh, <laughs> in the scar it wasn't fun it's funny that you said that because for ages like next to the lions is like some birds like an aviary and arthur was looking at the lions and sky was literally sprinting back and forth from arthur being like you need to see this you need to see this bird it's like sky the lion is more impressive than the birds <laughs> yeah bristol zoo is brilliant like it's really good glad you enjoyed it was there any podcast related housekeeping other than the usual please get in touch with us please share the podcast especially if you're a real fan we would really appreciate you reaching out to us did did you guys have anything dare I say relevant to say (laughs) the only thing is the only thing I had was that we had a request that we refer to Sirius not as Sirius. Now, these people wanted us to refer to him as Black, but I don't think that really... Harry, Ron and Hermione don't call him Black, but we could, I think, call him Sirius Black. I don't understand, but what the, what's the point? Why, why? They basically, they think that to call him just Sirius suggests a familiarity 
Phil, Snapshot, these chapters, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw and Snape's Grudge, what did you think? Oh, a nice kind of short, clean chapter, the first one. But action-packed, as always. And then second chapter, do you know what? Um, In summary, bloody love them. I love Snape's grudge. So much happens in that chapter. I love Hagrid's kind of moment. Obviously, throw mud at... Malfoy is brilliant. I mean, it's isn't that's never not going to be funny. It's always going to be great. There is a lot that went on in both of these, and I've I've got a f- fair few decent deep dive questions as well. I can't wait for Rob's reaction to the name Cho Chang. It's like, oh, that's that going to really from yeah. the Quidditch. Part of me thinks he really likes Snape's grudge, but then he always gets annoyed when they go to Hogsmeade. So I don't know. I think it'll be a classic mixed bag from Rob this one, but hopefully the momentum keeps up at a reasonable pace. Let's bring him in. Hello, Rob. All right, nerds. How are we all doing? I'm doing absolutely fine. You? Yeah, I'm okay, thanks. I'm okay. Okay, so Rob, do you like Kingy's hair? I suppose you saw it at the pub, did you? I did, I did. It's it's a huge improvement than it was. I think we can all agree that. He looks younger. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, much God's younger. Sake. What's this? Yeah, so I, I don't know what it is with this book, but every, every time I go to read my chapters, I feel like they're in the middle. We're still in the middle of the book. We're not progressing. <laughs> well, I'm sure that the, you know, the, the finale will run away quite quickly. So let's just go straight off. A hot take on chapter 13. Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. What did you think? It's basically just a Quidditch match, isn't it? That's the first books I kind of enjoyed. Enjoyed those more than the others. Um, so yeah, good, good uh, explanation of the action. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Relatively positive on that one then. So hot take. Snape's Grudge, Chapter Fourteen. What did you think of that? It was another decent one. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't kind of blown away by it, but it's it's a, you know moving the story on. Okay, that's fine, hot take. Phil, take us through chapter 13 then, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Oh my God, such a good chapter. So things are still kind of bad between Ron and Hermione. Fred and George are trying to cheer Ron up, aren't they? Because Ron's grieving, isn't he, Rob? Yeah, always a tough time when a, when a pet cops it, to be fair to him. Yeah, but um, a rat, like for me, there's pets and there's pets. And like, I don't know, I've never been upset over a hamster dying. Yeah, but you know, I guess he's what he's thirteen. He's he's had him for for years. Been a companion. Yeah. He's looked after him. So I was wondering because obviously Hermione's kind of saying that Ron's got no proof that Crookshanks had anything to do with it or ever. I was kind of wondering, like, whose side are you on? Um, I think generally I'm probably Team Hermione, but I'm Team Hermione. in this incident. You know, obviously the evidence is is pointing towards Crookshanks. To be honest, which I think Harry points out, doesn't he? He's like. I mean, to be fair, it doesn't look great. Yeah, it's not it's not looking good. So last practice before the match, um, Harry's persuaded Ron to come along to cheer him up or whatever. Um, we've obviously still got Madame Hooch overseeing it. How does the practice go, Rob? It goes really, really well. It's the best practice ever. It is literally the best practice ever. Um, what news has Woods got for Harry? Do you remember? There's a new seeker on the opposition. By the name of Cho Chang. Yeah, how do you, how do you feel about about that? 
Well, I enjoy that that would would have hoped that she wouldn't be fit, but she was. <laughs> you were right with her name, though, because we were worried. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even clocked that until now, actually. Are you no way! I love it. The second there's a pretty face in there, the hint of a pretty face, he didn't even notice the names. So um, the Ravenclaws are playing a seeker called Cho Chang. We get the sense that she's quite good because... Um, like you said, Wood seems a bit frustrated that she's recovered from her injuries or whatever. At the end of the session, Madam Hooch has fallen asleep and uh, Ron gets to have a go on the firebolt. I was wondering, Rob, like, would you have woken her up or would you have had to go on the firebolt? Oh, no, definitely definitely have a, have a go on it, I think. I, I was convinced at this point, like, because the session had gone so well, Ron was getting a go on the wand on the going to smash into the floor the broom. Oh, why did you always get it wrong you can't ride a wand I, I know it's just it's just ingrained in my head i, I get it wrong every time okay it just feels right <laughs> so um okay that's all good so um madam hooch wakes up finally and she's a bit angry that they just carried on um harry and ron walk back and as they're walking back up to the castle what who, who does harry think he sees is it i can't remember it's, I was just going to guess a random character there, uh, but I packed out. Well, it's your mate on the back of the book. It's the Grim, the 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 big back dog. Oh yeah. But um, Ron shines his wand, and it's just Crookshanks there. So the next day, uh, the fireball comes down for breakfast. He's literally the talk of the town. Everybody's talking about the fireball. It's all kicking off. There's a bit of bants uh, between. Harry and Malfoy. Um, Malfoy's obviously not in a not in a good mood that Harry's got a firebolt and all of these kinds of things. The conditions for the match are great. Um, as the two teams come face to face, what do we notice, or what does Harry notice? Well, he notices Cho Chang. That's for sure. What's to notice about her? She's pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> there's a rumbling. There's a rumbling beneath Harry's robes. Right. Okay. To, like, yeah. Remember, year nine. They're year nine. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, but year nine is still quite. It's still reasonably innocent. He says something about his stomach. It like in his tummy. He gets butterflies, doesn't he? Yeah, he gets butterflies. Definitely. Yeah. That's what it is. I, yeah. I'm sorry, but the, at the age at that age, things are things are happening. <laughs> Big time. <gasps> Just before you play Quidditch. I distinctly remember, and I, I don't know what they're wearing beneath their robes here, because it mentions he's got a T-shirt on, hasn't he, at one point, to stuff oh something God, down. Where is your head going? No, no, no but just just what, what do you wear? Because they change from the regular robes into Quidditch robes. Yeah. yeah. What do you wear on your bottom half when you're playing Quidditch? Jumpers. I imagine it's like sportswear. Under Armour. So I imagine you'd it's have like... one of those wicking, like long sleeve wicking tops. Because actually, when you're flying, if you're wicking, quite... it, it's 93, 94. Could it be? <laughs> what is wicking? Hundred year old sport. Like... Yeah, but but Robbie's really like old. But like now, and now they've got fancy new like style jersey. Rob is asking, I think, what what does Harry wear under his robes? Not what do the Chudley Cannons wear in 2020? Oh, I want to know why Rob wants to know what Harry's wearing under his robes. Bottom half. Jobpers. It's close. Because jobpers. Yeah, but they'll have jobpers. They'll be like jobpers for Quidditch. There will be like specialist Quidditch, Quidditch clothes. I agree. 
Okay, so we just made that up. Like leggings, I reckon. <laughs> you know, thicker, like jumpers. The thickness is going to help him here. The reason I ask is because oh a very, God. a very thin PE short <sighs> does you no favors. I'll, I'll say that from personal experience. Oh my God. I don't imagine a legging would either. No, no, it certainly wouldn't. Anyway, go on, Phil. What Sorry, happens? yes. Um, so match starts. What's Cho's tactic? Oh, so she's she's basically just decides to kind of tail Ron, uh, Ron tail Harry around and um, basically, you know, just kind of use him as her eyes for the snitch yeah. and then try and like swoop in and grab yeah. it. Yeah, and um, do you want to just explain what happens as the as the match plays out uh yeah so so he he kind of harry realizes that she's sort of tailing him a bit um and then he basically tries to kind of do some big dives and lifts and stuff to try and shake her off some bludgers are knocking around um there's some scoring there's some mid-air conversations with with wood and yes there's some some more enjoyable commentary from jordan who's just sort of waxing lyrical about the the, uh, yeah he loves it Harry ends up catching the snitch again. Yeah, but just just as he's about to catch it, he hears like a gasp from Cho, doesn't he? He turns around. What does he see? Oh, yeah. So he thinks he sees um, the Dementors again. Yeah. And so he <clears throat> fires his, his, his one. His Patronus. Yeah, he fires a Patronus at them and is able to catch the snitch. And when the match is finished, um, he says to Lupin, oh, it's mad. They didn't affect me at all. And what does what does Lupin show him? They, wasn't, they weren't Dementors. No, it was some of the Slytherins, including Malfoy, mm. uh, playing a trick on him. And McGonagall's really, really angry about that. What did you think? Did you think that was, that was like a dirty trick? Or did you think it was a good idea? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought that was pretty low. That was pretty kind of unsporting conduct, I'd say. Yes, low blow. Um, wonderful. So they all head back to the common room for a big party. The Wheezy twins have managed to come back with some stuff from Honey Dukes and Butterbeer and stuff. So they've obviously been using that corridor to get back and forth. There's one person not joining in with the party. Who is it? It's a mine, isn't it? She's, she's in yeah. her books. Yeah, They're all on the lash on the Butterbeer and she's, um, she's still studying. Yeah, like, do you kind of really feel for Hermione at this point? Yeah, she's 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 obviously taken on quite a bit with all the lessons and is just trying to kind of crack through it. But yeah, that's the trade-off, unfortunately. She's chosen. Finally, McGonagall comes in, breaks up the party. Everybody goes to bed. <laughs> Not just enjoying the, the party. The party yeah, scene. it's all kicking off, isn't it? Um, everybody goes to bed. Harry falls asleep. He has a bit of a funny dream. And the next thing we know, he's woken up to screaming from Ron, oh my gosh, Rob, what has happened? Um, he has been waking up because Ron's been woken up by Sirius Black. Yeah, can you believe well, what was going through your heads? Were you like, oh no, it can't be, it can't be? Um, I was distracted by two things. Number one, the fact that Harry seemed to be having a dream about a centaur, potentially. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and then this ridiculous um, ah no, (laughs) (laughs) Ron wakes up with. I want you to hear Stephen Fry read that bit. I think it makes it sound less like Alan Partridge. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh God. Okay. Yeah. So, but what what did you think? Were you like, oh my gosh, black yeah. spin? Yeah. I mean, pretty big news. First off, I was thinking, you know, was it a dream? Second, I was thinking, has he got this far? Got all the way into the dorm, and then then you know, not been able to find Harry and and finish the job. Oh, but yeah, big news. Yeah, so they go down to the common room. It's all kicking off. Uh, Percy, whatever, is trying to tell Ron that it's just a dream. McGonagall comes back in and says, come on, you need to break it up. And then Ron tells McGonagall and he says, ask him how he got in. And McGonagall t- turns to Sucker Duggan and asks if he let a man in. Now, how has Black managed to get in? Yeah, so someone's, someone's left the passwords knocking about. We got a little bit of a kind of teaser of this before when we heard that never oh. never written down and, and he, he owns up. Yeah. He's fucked, he's fucked right up. Or never. I bet you feel really sorry for him, do you? Well, not really, no. It's it's you know, this is a precursor oh. to the the cybersecurity lesson that you should never write your passwords down. It's hard, it's tough. And that's the end of that mm. chapter. Chapter okay. 14, Snape's Grudge, Millers, please. So they stay all night in the common room waiting, but Sirius Black isn't caught. Everybody wants to hear about what happened. But what do Ron and Harry wonder? They, I think, they're they're asking why. Why what? Why has he got the wrong bed and why hasn't he finished the job? Yeah, exactly. Why did he run away instead of just finish them all off? Yeah, could have killed a lot of them. Exactly. Bloodbath. Yes. So poor old Neville gets a howler and uh, Ron and Harry get an invitation to Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? Always asking him down for a brew. I enjoyed the owl tucking into the cornflakes as well. I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed the cornflakes reference. <laughs> Do you think it's Kellogg's? Has to be. Yeah, only the best. Definitely. What? Yeah, absolutely. Why does Hagrid want to chat to them, Rob? Um, well, he's given them a bit of a dressing down, isn't he? About their treatment of Hermione. That that seems to be the kind of the, the key because they've they've sort of forgotten all about Buckbeak's case and all the rest of it, and she's been she's been helping out with it. Um, and he's like, "Come on, guys, you need to stop giving her a hard time. Chill out." Yeah. What What are your thoughts on Hagrid here? It's a bit a bit of a different kind of. Um... A different Hagrid. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been a bit more kind of a uh, bit more of a sort of father figure, isn't it? A bit more responsible. Yeah, a bit more compassionate. Makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm all with him on this. Yeah, you think he's got a good point. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with him. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important that we see Hagrid do this kind of thing. I think it's a significant development. Yeah, well, I guess it's it's you know he's not he's not he's less of the sort of bumbling fool. In this position, he's been more, been more responsible, less pissed. Yeah, yeah, and he's got a lot of heart, isn't he? And he can appreciate that that Hermione's working really hard and really cares, um, and everything that she's doing is with the best intentions. Um, so there's another trip to Hogsmeade. So I'm sure you'd just be probably sitting in the corner playing chess or something. <laughs> But... I actually hate chess, but you know, whatever. <laughs> You're the nerds around here. Don't try and uh... even wizard chess. Yeah, no interest in it. Yeah, whatever. Boring. 
obviously <laughs> Harry's not supposed to go and also Neville's not supposed to, not allowed to go because as part of his punishment for leaving all the passwords lying around mm. so Harry plans to use the Marauder's map to um, get to Hogsmeade but Neville finds him and wants to hang out with him basically um, and what does ha- what does Harry do? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this part where he's, he's he's basically trying to make an excuse to get rid of him. And then everything he says, Neville's like, oh, yeah, I'll come with you. And yeah, we've all been in that situation at that kind of age where you're trying to shake someone that you don't want to hang out with. But yeah, and Harry does it expertly. Basically just says, oh, yeah, I'll catch you up. And then uh, pisses off in the back of a statue. I thought it was so harsh. Like, poor Neville. Like, that's really mean. When Harry just fobs him off. Yeah, it was, it was a bit harsh. I, I, I was, I was kind of on. In the moment, I was on Harry's side because of this sort of urgency of just like, oh, just fucking piss off for a second. But <laughs> actually, the overarching view is that you, I, I want him to just stay there and stop pissing about. So she just hung out with Neville. He could use a friend. Exactly. You didn't even want him to go to Hogsmeade. No, definitely not, because, again, he's risking... He's literally risking his life to go to a fucking oh, joke shop. Lighten up, Rob. Jesus. But a joke shop, seriously. No, and a sweet shop. Oh, yeah, the sweets again. And a pub. The main thing's the pub, isn't it? You can't talk to Rob about sweets because you remember how scared he is of getting fat. <laughs> the sweets, I'm fine. Uh, the, sorry, that's not the main issue here. Okay. What's the issue? Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, chocolate, probably. Not butter. And beer. Yeah, n- <laughs> nut butter, yeah. Um, so what do Harry and Ron get up, get up to in Hogsmeade? Uh, so, yeah, they, they go to the joke shop. They go to the post office. They go to the post office. Yeah. There's loads of owls, obviously, hanging around there. I, I enjoyed the fact there was, like, these miniature owls for local deliveries. They go up to this uh, haunted house as well. They're going to have butchers at that. Yeah, and who do they see when they're up there? It's Malfoy and, and crew. Oh, but crucially, so so Harry's under the old um, invisible rug at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what happens? So there's there's a sort of like classic cartoonish Jolly Japes where um, Harry's throwing mud mud pies at them and sort of, you know, they're, they're being all goonish and not knowing what's going on, obviously. And then uh, it backfires because one of the goons treads on his cloak and uh, he's revealed. His head's revealed. <laughs> it's quite funny, isn't it? Yeah. I quite funny. <laughs> I'm so impressed. Um, okay, so disaster. Yeah, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, but I think because basically the... Um, I, I, I didn't get this when I was reading it live. I had to go back, but it's just his head that's revealed rather than it coming off. So they see the floating head, they all run away. And basically they try and sort of um, paint it as if, you know, Malfoy's just making it up or he's just like, you know, seen seen a ghost or something. Yeah, right. Harry knows he's got to rush back because he knows that Malfoy is going to go and probably tell on him. So Harry rushes back through the passageway. He's all like sweaty and... I like to call it fussled. I have a real problem with like overheating. Yeah. And sometimes like if, if you're sort of in a rush and you're stressed and you get all like hot and uh, you're fussled and you're sweaty and you're like trying to get your bag off or get in somewhere. Nightmare. 
Yeah, I know. I know the feeling very, very well. I, I, I get it almost every time I like arrive home. Yeah, because I walk really fast as well, and then and then you you've walked fast home, and then you get in the door, and it's really hot, and you just yeah, like... and you don't know what to do first. You don't have to put your bag yeah, down, yeah, yeah. down, take your shoes off, take your coat off. You, you don't know what to do first, guys. Yeah. Tough life. But the problem is you're already thinking about the things you're going to do after you've done all that stuff and you're sort of half tempted to start doing that. Yeah, like any tube is bad, isn't it? You know what? One of the biggest perils is um, if, if you're kind of shopping in winter and you've got a big coat on. Oh, yeah. You walk yeah. down the street. And you get on the tube or, or you go into a shop and they've got that like hot air curtain that you have to go through. The worst. Anyway, Harry's Harry's wet. He's wet through, wet hands, slipping and sliding, trying to get up a tube, and uh, eventually makes it out. But gets gets caught by Snape and marched to his office. Yeah, so it turns out obviously Malfoy's got back and, and told Snape. So um, Snape pulls Harry in for questioning. How does that go? Yeah, he's 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 stuck with the lie. He's he's put his line out there. Ron backs him up, but yeah, as part of it, he has to um, hand over his his map and his whatever else is in his pockets. Yeah, so the map the map is in is in Snape's hands, and it starts um, starts giving him some jip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, starts having a go at him. What it? did you think of that? Yeah, that was quite enjoyable. Yeah, getting stuck in Snape. Like, did you laugh like out loud with the natural voice? <laughs> with a natural voice like <laughs> no I, I don't think i did an actual laugh but oh, i was right. i was surprised that it was like an actual insult rather than um you know it wasn't as like family friendly as some of the others <laughs> yeah because before um snake gets him to empty his pockets he is really going for it with harry isn't he oh yeah there's a bit of like back and forth where he's talking to his dad and and telling him that he um didn't save his life. Well, we know he did save his life, but it was because they were basically like playing a trick on him or something. Yeah, can you believe that? Yeah, it's a bit of like a different characterization from what we were expecting. I mean, it's, obviously, we, we don't know much. We don't know the full picture yet, do we? But it's it's an interesting to hear Snape's take on it. Mm. The way Snape is talking about Harry and his dad, it's not probably strictly professional. And then. Harry just turns around and tells him to shut up. Yeah, and um, we've all got to that point sometimes with a teacher, haven't we, where it's just like the sort of semblance of hierarchy just falls away and you're just like, stop being a knob. Have you ever told any of your teachers to shut up? Or stop being a knob? Yeah, stop being a knob. Uh, I think I've, I've like done the thing where you just then address them on like a, a proper level. Like, let's, let's, let's get rid of all this sort of you're the teacher, I'm the student stuff. Like you, you're being unreasonable, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with grooming, though. Was this in year four? <laughs> <laughs> look, look, let's just pull down this charade. We're both humans. <laughs> I'm nine. You're twenty-nine. I want my carna milk. Let's just get on with it. <laughs> um, but no, I got as as obviously as harsh as Snape is being here. I, I was behind him when he was sort of laying into Harry for actually going to Hogsmeade where he's saying you know like we're doing everything to try and keep you safe but you're like Harry Potter you can do what you want you think you can just go anywhere and with no fault for the consequences and I was like that's Bob on no 
it's not. I don't think it is. I think that I think the reality is is in my opinion, he's not this really arrogant. He's not the character that Snape seems to think he is. I don't think, and he's just being a kid. Snape's is the least charitable yet still reasonable interpretation of Harry's actions. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Snape's interpretation or characterization of Harry is not unreasonable based on what Harry does, but it assumes a a desire to behave incorrectly that doesn't necessarily exist in Harry. So the map insults uh, Snape and he calls Lupin. He's pretty angry by this point. Um, and so Lupin comes to the room. What happens? Yes, yeah, so Lupin basically just, you know, completely takes the, the boy's side and um, just kind of gives an explanation for it, saying, you know, it's a joke map and it's just kind of insulting whoever picks it up. So, yeah, kind of kind of gets them off the hook a little bit. So, yeah, he basically saves them, doesn't he? Um, Ron bursts in, he backs up Lupin's idea, says, I gave it all to Harry when I went to Hogsmeade last time. And that's kind of that. Lupin pockets the map. Um, and he wants a word with Ron and Harry in private. Why does he want to chat to them? Uh, he's basically like, you know, I've covered for you there, but stop pissing about. I'm not going to give you the map back. But yeah, you're off the hook. He's quite disappointed, isn't he? What did you think of Lupin's opinion? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the classic, like, because it's a teacher you like and they're, like, reasonable about it and nice about it, it's... it's you feel worse than when a, a horrible teacher's told you off. Yeah. Because uh, you've let them down a bit. You don't get that sense of righteous indignation when someone that you like is just sort of letting you down gently whilst also sort of saying, yeah, you, you did do wrong there, didn't you? Yeah, and he, he goes in quite hard, to be fair. He's, you know, basically, like, your, your parents gave their lives to keep you alive and you're pissing about with it for, a, you know, going to a magic shop uh, or joke shop, whatever it is, for a whoopee cushion. <laughs> Your mother's life for a whoopee cushion. <laughs> right at the end of the chapter, Rob, the boys bump into Hermione, who gives them some news. Yeah, it's pretty sad stuff. Buckbeak has been executed. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. No, Buckbeak hasn't been executed. But the news is that he's going to be executed. Yeah. Yes. Here we go. Just breaking news. He's not yet. <laughs> not yet gone. <laughs> Hagrid lost the case and he will be executed. Mm. Um, and that's where we, where we leave it. What do you think about that news? It's a real, real come down after the sort of they've got off, let off the hook and they're jolly japes pissing about in the cloak and stuff. Yeah. Gutted. Punch in the gut, isn't it? So we've got a few bits of muggle mail for you on this chapter, Rob. The first piece of muggle mail is from Lucy. She says, Harry gets into some right trouble this week. Do you remember ever getting into big trouble at school? And what did you do? Or were you, you too you, much of a square? You've got to tell <laughs> You've got to tell him, mate. I know when you got into trouble. Well, it wasn't really. It wasn't really trouble. It was a bit of trouble, but I think you've got you've got you've got to explain this one, haven't you? Oh, I, I, I'm guessing the one you're talking about. Yeah, is is. Oh yeah, because I bet there was loads of them. Was there? Was <laughs> there? <laughs> there was a handful. There was one that was that really stands out, and I can't see Rob being really naughty. 
but no. everyone gets into some. What was it? Oh, boys, what was it? This <laughs> is so stupid. So it was in a maths lesson, and basically, you know, word went round the class, word spread round the class of a little dare. People were were putting a few pound coins in. The sort of pot was going up uh, <laughs> of the prize money, if you like. Um, and all, all you had to do was put your hand up and say, Miss, can I go to the toilet because I need a poo? <laughs> I love stuff like that. Um, so I, I thought, you know, this is fine. This is, I think it was like 16 quid. I was like, this is big money. Um, yeah. so, so I did it and uh, the whole class were like laughing. Teacher was, young female <laughs> teacher was Rattled. really, really embarrassed yes. um, really? and reacted badly. And so, yeah, it got, it got escalated to the headmaster, no less. Yeah. Did you get the money? No, I think you know, as as you can't trust these these kids at this age, um, some money did come forth, but you know, there was a few snakes who didn't pay up. Unbelievable. But what what was worse actually was your school that that got taken to the headmaster. You you had to pretty much assault someone in mine. I think you mean how good was our school that that got taken to the headmaster? So what was worse and actually kind of crosses over nicely with this this chapter we've just finished is I then had to explain what happened to our head of year, who who everyone actually quite liked and, and yeah. kind of respected, and was quite young. Surely you had to he was pissing himself. Yeah, but he had to take it seriously, and I had to you know pretend I was remorseful (laughs) 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 and you know accordingly like with what happens in this chapter like that that part was worse because it it was like you've let you've let me down here got some muggle mail from Lindsay Millington she says do you agree with Snape that Harry is arrogant and a law unto himself no I, I don't think He's arrogant. I think, like we touched on this before, I don't think he's arrogant. I think he's just in that childish mindset of maybe like not appreciating the scale of the situation. This is really serious, and there's a load of time and resource and effort that's going into protecting him, and he's just basically undermining that for said whoopee cushion. Oh, so what, man? Like you've got to live your life. Do you know what I'm saying? The thing is, is that at the beginning. They wanted to hide all that from him, so mm. I'll have it both ways. I suppose that is a good good point. Yeah, you've got around a hundred blokes, you know, presumably on I don't know shifts around the perimeter here. Dementors. Are you talking about Dementors? Yeah, they're presumably on shifts. presumably on shifts on shifts around the edge. They presumably they, got lodgings. Do they have lodgings? They're getting paid. I wouldn't describe a pack of Dementors as like a pack of blokes. No. I'd be like, oh, there's like a whatever herd of Dementors. I wonder what the collective term is. Like a swarm fog. of Dementors. Yeah, like a fog of Dementors. Yeah, like a fog. Mm. A chill. A chill of Dementors. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, brilliant. That's just a very quick muggle mail again from um, HCB. Oh, brilliant. It, it was just a really quick one just to say that they 100% agree with Rob. The impervious on the glasses is cheating. Yeah, it's a thin end of a wedge. I think the end of a wedge is 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 sort of fair. Yeah, you know, it could it could be like, oh well, maybe I'll make my hands extra sticky, being a being a chaser or extra grippy. 
We did get a message from Nikki who said that she was siding with Rob over the Harry sneaking about, Harry going to Hogsmeade. And she is a teacher. She's a secondary school teacher. And she said she would love to have a boring young Rob, sorry, a, a, a responsible <laughs> young class. Yeah, do you have a little rating for these chapters, Rob, uh, for, for Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw first? Yeah, I'm going to give that a 7.5. Nice. Nice. And for Snape's grudge? Six. Okay. It's weird. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a relatively solid scoring. Um, Chapter 15, the Quidditch final. Yep. Chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's prediction. Really textbook titles in this section, aren't they? Like, just very Ron Steele. Yeah. Yeah, they are actually. The last few aren't. This isn't going to happen in uh, in Underwood, my novel. Underwood. So it's called Underwood. Oh. Yeah, drop that in, little. Uh, like, oh my god. Like, little teaser. Under oh my god. Does it, does it have a subtitle like for the name of the first volume? <laughs> no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Just so you know, because it would be a series. You either need to have Underwood as like the name of the series and then subtitle yeah. the books, or Underwood can be the name of the first volume, the first book. Mm. You need to still develop a broader title for the series. The series. Oh yeah, the nerds. Yeah, mm. the nerds love that. Love that stuff, don't they? Well, you need it because otherwise you, need you don't it know for the brand. Yeah, you don't know where you're going. Do you want to sell? Mm. Do you want to shift any of these, Rob? Or <laughs> Yeah, all right, mate. Good luck with the next two chapters, and we'll see you next week. I love you. Bye. 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 He's gone. Thoughts? You know what I don't understand is that there seems to be no correlation between what he says about the chapter and then the score he gives it. Yeah, no, I've I've noticed that. Uh, My thoughts are, like, obviously he is loving it, like, in... Uh, and I can see, I get what he means that it must feel almost a bit treadmill like. And I think part of that is because he has to wait a week between each two chapter chunk. Most people would just sit down and read about five chapters of this book at, at, at one point. Once it starts to gain that momen- momentum, you just keep reading. But like, I was going to bring it up and then I thought, no, don't bring it up. But I'd be really intrigued about like, oh my God, how does Lupin know how the Marauders map works? What's going on here? What's going on there? Like Lupin must have known Snape from school as well. La la la. He, he's he's not following any of those breadcrumbs, is he? No, and I feel like the enthusiasm has dipped a bit this week. Which is well, sad. Maybe we do just need to record this every day. Maybe the enthusiasm dipped a bit, but... I don't think to the extent that it's going to do any sort of lasting damage. No. Like, what is the shape of things to come now? Like, so once we get to Trelawney's prediction, that's the exam. That's the end of the exams. We're very close to the end. Let's go, go, go then. That's the beginning of the end, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, that's all the same evening, isn't it? Well, yeah, that, yeah, basically, Trelawney's prediction, that's the afternoon. And then it all happens that night. Yeah. And then we're into the goblet of fire and Jesus. I mean, that's what we're oh. about. Look, don't 
wish this book away. I'm not wishing it away. But I am excited for Goblet. So the first note I've got, and I can't believe Rob didn't clock this until we brought it up, uh, is Cho's name. That's the thing with Rob. Like, he's a classic. Um, I reckon he goes to pieces. Uh, if, if Pretty Face could get around to anything with Rob, I reckon. He has been, like, so hot on alliterative names. I know, but he picks up on them before I have. Like that, I haven't once hadn't thought of, and also Cho Chang is like, I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's pretty li- much the same name twice. It's not a great name. <laughs> no, it's not a great name. All is it racist? Considered. No, I don't think it's racist. But it depends how you how you define that. But it's. I guess it depends just, how much probably research was just done. poorly chosen. But it. The thing is, it sounds comical. Yeah, it's like an unbelievable name. And there are lots of unbelievable names in the book. But not necessarily comical. Like, Is Cho's race ever described? I don't think it has to be. No. No. Well, it isn't. Yeah, but I don't think no. it has has to be. I, but, I think the description is in the name. But it's almost why, maybe that's why the name is chosen, so you don't have to describe them. Like, I don't think Parvati Patil... No, I don't think... Like, the other characters don't get a lot of description. yeah. Like the the kind of like non main characters. Yeah, no, but you're right. The Patil twins, like they're not specifically described in terms of their race either. But there's no need because you've got the name. The name the name yeah, tells like you what you need to know South effectively. Asian. So yeah, it's just yeah. it's just there are lots of names in the book that people typically wouldn't have. But I think when J.K.'s choosing like Daedalus Diggle or Sirius Black or Remus Lupin, she knows that those names are fantastical. Yeah. And that nobody would have that name. Whereas a Cho Chang, she may have legitimately thought that that was like a, well, a, also, a potential name for like a British Asian like girl. Remus Lupin, who, what, though, that is a hint at something about him and his character. Same with Sirius Black. Mm. Mm-hmm. But Cho Chang is. I think just meant to give you a hint about her race. Like it's very two dimensional. It's very like two dimensional, isn't it? She's obviously like such a good flyer. And reading this uh, sequence back, like I got the impression that if the brooms were reversed, it'd have been a different. She'd have had a different tactic for one. Well, she'd have smashed it. She'd probably have smashed it. Harry properly needed a superior broom to beat her. Did you get that kind of impression? No, I don't think so because we don't get to really see her potential. Because she's decided... She's on the defensive. She's doing that very well. Oh, yeah, like, so she's obviously a brilliant flyer. Yeah. I'm not sure Harry's got that in his locker, you know. He only knows one way to play. To win. Yeah. To yeah. just go, go but for just, it. You often get this, like, I think, like, girls, when they're, like, that age, are often, like, more tactical. Definitely. You have to and be. That, who are just like, I want to win. I want to be the one to win. I want to be the one to score. Yeah. They don't want to pass. They want to score. The no. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it would have been a much more interesting game if they'd have had rooms of a similar level. Agree. Mm. So I was thinking I would like you guys to think of maybe a chapter that you would like to write in the book, The Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles. Oh, great question. Great little bit of detail that I'd forgotten about. And yeah, Hermione's reading this Muggle Studies book called Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles. And I would love to read a J.K. Rowling charity 
oh, um, version yeah. of this school textbook because I think it could be really really funny I would love to do oh, like, something either about barbecues okay or a day at the beach yes very nice Phil. I was thinking parlor games Parlor oh, games, yeah. yeah, that would be a good little sub-chapter. Oh, also, like a to, picnic, I'd love to do write about picnics. I'd like to write a chapter just simply titled The Pub. Yes, that would be good. Yeah, The Home Life and Social Habits of British Muggles. I'd love to to read that book. Anna, uh, JK, if you're listening. Yeah, it's a, it would be a good one for charity. Harry's Dream, which Rob mentioned. Yeah, interesting. Interesting one, isn't it? What what do you, what's what's happened there then? It makes you think of later on in book seven, where Harry is following Snape's Patronus. It does make you think of that, yeah. That is that's what it describes, isn't it? I was just also just thinking like the the trying to feel his dad's footsteps that I think Harry has. You know, he sort of sees his dad as a kind of like a hero, even though he doesn't really know yeah. about him. And that's why it hurts him later when that's sort of tarnished, uh, when, he, when he goes into the pensive. And I, it's almost like a kind of like a foreshadowing of how he thinks he sees his dad later and then he realised that, no, it was actually him. So, yeah, the sort of chasing after the stag is, um, yeah, I think meant to kind of symbolise that, I suppose. And then when Ron, Ron wakes up, and everyone says that he's had a nightmare and he's adamant that it's not a nightmare. That obviously really makes me think of book yeah. five. Yes, five? yes. Yeah. Oh, um, when Harry, yeah, has a dream. About a dream serious. that yeah. everyone will know the first one. About Mr Weasley. That everyone oh, right. says, oh, it's a, just a bad dream. And he's like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's real, it happened. It's not the same, but no. made me think of that. No, yeah, that's fair enough couple of just you know very very quick things security trolls oh yeah how does that fit with the panic around the halloween troll how well how well that was a mountain troll was it no i think that's a line that i've just lifted from the lord of the rings and plonked (laughs) into harry potter so you can ignore that one um that was a wild one though i suppose yeah i guess so so how well trained do you reckon security troll can be not very much about trolls. Maybe that maybe some are very like intelligent and you know can can have jobs in security. I reckon the security trolls. I don't reckon they're able to distinguish. I think it's like they guard an entrance and no one's allowed in, no one's allowed out. Right, it's got to be very straightforward. In the common room that's being guarded. Yeah. Yeah, but the fat lady is really what's being guarded. It's for the fat lady's reassurance rather than. Yeah. Um, actual security, isn't it? Because the fat lady is better than... Yeah, the, the fat lady is doing all the thinking. The yeah. security trolls are there to, like, back her. Yeah. yeah. But I reckon if Sirius Black did turn up, the fat lady have to be like, get in, boys. Oh, yeah. And then they do it. Let's talk about night bus booking. Yeah, I thought that. We touched on earlier in the book. Hagrid books himself and Buckbeak onto the night bus. Can you imagine Buckbeak 
on the night bus. We once tried to take Mona on the mini bus, and like we were told that like we couldn't because this was in Thailand. There weren't allowed animals, even though we'd definitely seen like loads of chickens on there before. Were you paying for her own seat? Because at least Hagrid is paying for two beds. No, we were. But what I'm saying is that Mona fits on on the bus a lot better than Buckbeak would. Like, are they buying the whole bus? No, he says, I've booked two beds on the night yeah. bus. That's what he says, isn't yeah. it? Bed, is he? Nor's Hagrid. Yeah. Maybe maybe mm. there are special giant beds on the top floor for the larger larger members of wizarding community and livestock. To be honest, I'm surprised that he has to attend the trial in person. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they, yeah. maybe they need to make a... You know, part of the trial is making some kind of assessment on his... um On his nature. Yeah, his nature. Are you surprised Lupin didn't go in a bit harder? I think the way he went in showed a huge amount of emotional intelligence. Yeah. I mean, the line... Yeah, the line about what you hear when the Dementors... Like, I know what you hear when the Dementors... Yeah. Whatever it is, that hits home. Like, Harry is hearing that, like... On the regular. Yeah, I suppose that is pretty Like, that hits home. Mm. And I also think, with regards to being, like, if it was more angry or whatever, I don't think, in so many ways, Lupin would be... Lupin is self-aware enough to know he's got no rights because he's also keeping things. Yeah. He's he's doing the same. Also, he's just not, like, an angry person in that way, is he? That's not how he shows his emotion. Yeah, I agree. So feeling so conflicted because mm. he knows that he's withholding information from Dumbledore that he's pretty sure is how it's connected. Yeah. Getting into the school. How badly does this chapter reflect on Harry and Ron? Really badly. Badly. I, I felt really terribly re-listening slash re-reading slash thinking about the goings on of it again afresh. And really thinking about it, I was like, God, they seem like well, this dicks whole period throughout the yeah, whole, massively. Almost through both chapters. But even before that, like they don't talk to her at Christmas. Yeah, it's horrible. Even though Harry, I think, says at one point, you know, he knows Hermione's when we hear kind of his, him thinking. Yeah, he knew she meant well and that she was doing the best. But you can't put that aside. And they've been through a lot together. Through a lot, and they they've all put themselves in danger to to support each other. Mm. I think they come across appalling in these chapters, but I I think it's excusable. When you're that age, basically, I don't want to say like it's classic of like the two boys, but I know that I've certainly been guilty at times of like, especially when you're younger, of just like running away with something and like letting other things just fall to the side. They get carried away with their own celebrity because Ron is the centre of attention and he's loving it. Harry's bloody got a fireball and he's loving it. You know, like their images are much cooler than Hermione's. Yeah. And I think with Hermione, you know, it's not just her. It's her she's the one that they basically treat like crap, to be fair. But it's not just her they forget about. Mm-hmm. They totally forget about Hagrid as well. They totally forget about Birkby. That as a threesome, she is the one that grounds them. So when they turn on her, they are just not that nice. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But it would be so unrealistic if there was like a, a, a trio kind of threesome relationship. That didn't have arguments. Yeah. We've got one piece of our post that I was actually going to bring up. The question is from Lindsay Millington. And she says, does Snape call Lupin to look at the Marauder's map because he knows or suspects who Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are? He obviously knows now that Remus is a werewolf, but did he know that that when they were at school together? So I was thinking this when we was listening to this and reading this, that Snape seems to know that Lupin made this or has some involvement in it because he says about getting it directly from the manufacturers. Yeah. So do you think that those nicknames were common knowledge? At no. It's, uh, or- I would say it's possible. Because I never imagined they were. And obviously we know that Snape is told about the Shrieking Shack and how to get in and he sees Lupin, doesn't he, when he goes there and James pulls him back. Yeah, and we know that he suspected that Lupin was a werewolf when they were in school and And he was constantly like following them around and was a bit obsessive with the four of them. Yeah, and then he actually sees Lupin. So he did know Mm. much later on at school, but he did know for sure but he he didn't know about the other no he didn't kids, know that they were the other NWAGI. so i imagine they would be quite secret nicknames because they are tied to their like animagi and particularly mooney they'd have to be really careful about that if i was a werewolf and all my mates like called me mooney i'd be like guys just use my name because it's hard enough being a werewolf and trying to keep it a secret i suppose yeah. so but a cu- couple of quick things I certainly think it's possible that people might have known about those nicknames and like they wouldn't have known why they were called that, but it might have just leaked out. Like they call each other that in the pensive memory. Yeah. And, you know, friends have such weird nicknames for each other. Like I've been called ridiculous things like by my friends that only, that only really you guys understand. Rob asked me when we were in the pub the other day, why would you call Philip a pig? I didn't really have an answer. But, like, I think other people could have known those nicknames without necessarily knowing what they meant. Yeah. Is it time for us to tell the listeners that <laughs> my Animagus is actually a pig? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Makes sense. I think the main thing that tips Snape off is the way it speaks to him. Yes. If the fact that Lupin's a werewolf is right at the front of your mind because you have to concoct a solution for him whenever he needs it, and then you find this item... And it speaks to you in a way that it's deeply, deeply imprinted on him within his like insecurity and his rage and memories from when he was bullied horribly. Yeah. Especially if it might have kind of got out into the the community within the school that they did have these silly nicknames for each other. And maybe that triggers something in his mind. Oh, that's what Potter used to call Lupin. Yeah. And there are three other names. And I, I I think that Snape knows that those names correspond to those boys. Yeah, but he probably true. couldn't tell you who Wormtail, Padfoot and Prong specifically were because he doesn't no. know about no. those animals. But no, he, know he just knows animals. that four and four, you know, go together. I think that's a really fair point. Yeah. Uh, so he does know for sure. But yeah, he's made a, a good assumption. Yeah, he's a smart guy. And in that moment, he's making an assumption. Yeah, definitely. And also, like, don't forget, Snape was obsessed with them. Yeah, absolutely obsessed with them. Yeah. 
Um, another piece of outpost from Nikki. Nikki G, long time friend of the show. Read the Marauders map. I wonder if it has lost some of its magic as GPS and find my friends is so commonplace now. Reading this in the early noughties, it was amazing and truly magical. I do no. think that there are some parts of the magical, like some elements of magic, like maybe like the Marauders map, as maybe like your head in the flu that they're still wonderful because they're magical but these days with like the technology we have it yeah. don't just don't seem as efficient <laughs> i guess it would be possible <laughs> to like make a kind of water's map if everyone had their gps on their phones at yeah. school um the idea of it like when we first read it was just like yeah mind-blowing this is an owl post relating to book seven but i thought it would be kind of neat to bring it up because obviously it relates to Sirius Black. We do love receiving audio messages as our post guys. So yeah, get them in. And this is from longtime friend of the show, Izzy. I've got a question. So in book seven, when they go to oh, uh, to Grimmauld Place, uh, when they're escaping like from the wedding, and Harry wakes up in the morning and he's like having a little look around and he goes into Sirius's bedroom and he sees the picture that's on the wall of James, Sirius, Pettigrew and um, Lupin and I just wonder what your thoughts are about that because I feel like would what would you do if you had a picture of like you with all of your best friends but one of them you knew was like working with Voldemort was the reason that your best friend had died along with his wife. Do you think that the picture would just be completely tainted and you probably wouldn't want it on your wall? Or do you think that actually in some way you can still sort of reflect as that being a nice time and like, a, you know, a time when you were all really best friends and that nothing bad had happened at that point. So therefore it doesn't sort of taint it for you. Or do you think that actually you would want to take it down? Cause I'm not really sure, but I just, I was just listening to it and thought that's really interesting that he kept the picture up. And I know that Harry can't take the picture off the wall because it's like magic on there, but surely Sirius who would have put it on there would have had the like the power to be able to take it off again. So yeah, just what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean I thought this was a really interesting question. It's a great question. Phil, what did you think? Yeah, so my thoughts on this were very much that he's put it up, he's put a permanent sticking charm on it. I think he's also put some sort of permanent anti-modification charm on it mm-hmm. because otherwise you would just cover his face, wouldn't you? My thoughts 100% is that Sirius would not, he would not be in a place where he'd be like, oh, I'm going to look at this and remember the good times. He would look at it and he would see red. So my thoughts are the only reason that that is still there is because, yes, he was able to put it up, but that doesn't mean he can take it down. Yes. I completely agree. I understand the narrative it's a nice narrative of oh even though things went wrong it was a great time and at that time we were like a gang and we achieved so much however that's not serious serious is a very angry person and that's how he expresses himself and he has not been able been able really to mature he stayed very juvenile in a lot of ways and that stuff is so fresh to him because he hasn't had a life since that no and also he basically broke out of Azkaban. He like what kept him going and kept him break and um, got him to break out of Azkaban. 
he did it to kill Pettigrew. Yeah. He wanted so badly to, to kill Pettigrew that he broke out of Azkaban. You know, he tracked him down and then he is like, he slipped through his fingers, but he wasn't brought to justice and he's still now out there presumably working yeah. for Lord Voldemort. Oh, there is no way for me that Sirius wouldn't be repulsed by that picture. Yeah, I guess maybe like a bit like a tattoo. It's easier to put on than take off. It must be that he can't take it off for whatever reason. I agree definitely that he doesn't leave it up there for sentimental value or for any kind of nostalgic purpose. The only place where I differ is that I just don't think he gives two moments thought to it. I, I think he barely even notices what's on the walls in his room because he's just not in that that kind of place. I just think he d- wouldn't even look twice at that picture or anything in his room. And it's completely untouched. Like specifically, it's, it's mentioned in book seven how untouched it is from when he was in there as a teenager. I know there is a period of time where he shuts himself up in his room, but I think in his general sort of day-to-day there, I don't think he'd even be in that room very much. That's just my view on it. Yeah. If, if he even notices it, the thought that, like, oh, I should put some effort into taking that down probably lasts half a second, and then he goes, no, I can't bother it. Okay, the climax of the book is coming up, and I think people should have some strong... Uh, Muggle Mail and I'll post opinions just on get it. get it in whenever, like, please don't... Yeah. Okay. I know we're, we're... Yeah, like Izzy did. She heard something in book seven. Yeah. It was curious to her. She sent it on. Thank you very much, Izzy. And for, I know now we're that. recording a bit ahead, but I don't think that just because we've already spoken about that chapter, you can't send right, it. Right, so basically, this is us putting out our post... For the for the rest of the book for the rest yes. of book three. If you've got any questions, about the any questions you've got, get yeah. it in now. Thank you for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin. Our theme tune was an original composition by Patrick Steed. It's goodbye from Millers. Goodbye. Goodbye from Phil. Arabella Fig. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>